glad to be here today. So grateful to have you in worship here. Church, we want to introduce to you a new song today, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the house of the Lord, which is what this song is called. How many of you remember a long time ago, like a long time ago, growing up, when maybe your parents used to say, hey, don't run in God's house. Do you remember that? My parents told me that. Well, I think uh, we've learned a little bit since then that God's house is not a building. Although we are blessed to have a wonderful ability to come together and worship in, God's house, God's dwelling place is inside of believers, right? The presence of the Lord dwells inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what this song talks about. But I want to share with you a scripture that's important to about the presence of the Lord in our lives. And the scripture says this right here. There it is. Yeah. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That where the presence of the Lord is, there is an abundance or a fullness of joy. And so we can come into his presence everywhere we are. And we can have this joy that's not dictated by our circumstances because his spirit lives inside of us and he is the one bringing that joy. So we're going to teach you the chorus and it sounds like this. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. All right, that's really good. Can you sing that a little bit stronger this time? If you weren't participating then, participate now with us. Let's sing this out. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. 
worship the God who has saved us, loved us, and redeemed us. Sing this out. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing it out. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy. Cyprus Bible Church. I'm Pastor Tony Svensson, the uh, Go Pastor, and we're excited that you are here with us this morning to worship our Lord and our King. Uh, at Cyprus Bible Church, our goal is that as we come 
uh, our goal is to become more like Jesus. So we come as we are uh, with the presenting ourselves to God that we may be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, and we do that in, in three ways. We do that as we gather together. We are his church. We are the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we come here and we want to, to grow in life-changing truth. We want our minds to be transformed into his image and to his likeness. And then we want to go in life-changing mission. God has a mission for us, and it's a kingdom mission that the whole world would know that he is Lord. And we do that as we serve together in those three areas. Um, and so we, we thank you, and, and it's a privilege to get to serve and worship our Lord together. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, we would encourage you, there's a QR code on the back of the pews. If you take a picture of that, uh, it'll give us a record of your being here and uh, opportunity to us to know you and you to know us. Um, so please take advantage of that. Uh, we've got some opportunities coming up. I hope that all of you grabbed a uh, pamphlet on your way in. If you didn't, I would encourage you to grab one of those. Uh, this Easter, uh, we have three opportunities for us to worship together. Uh, one of those is a, a family-friendly uh, Good Friday service. Uh, the second is a self-guided Stations of the Cross. And thirdly, our Easter services are all listed on this, so prepare yourselves uh, for that. Uh, and then this next second Saturday, uh, we have an opportunity for us as a church to serve our community. And so for those of you who have not been to a second Saturday yet, we invite you. Uh, there's an opportunity for everybody uh, from, we're going to be helping the, the the children's ministry packed some Easter uh, pamphlets and set up for the Easter service. We're going to have some people that will go out and minister in some apartment complexes. Uh, we've got people that will do Saturate USA, just hanging things on a door. We've got a group of men that are going to do some power washing uh, and many other opportunities. So please come uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, be here at the chapel, and then we usually end around noon. Uh, so it's a great opportunity for us as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, to let the world know that we belong to him and that we have love for one another and we have a love for our neighbors. And so please join us for this next second Saturday to be a part of that. Let's continue to worship our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Pastor Tony. And church, thank you so much for learning that new song with us. You know, sometimes you walk in the door, it's like, whoa, new song, whoa, here we go, oh my gosh, and we're off to the races. And I saw a few people start to loosen up a little bit, some people kind of moving around, and we just want you to know that's okay. And you can do more of that if you would like to, okay? This is a place of freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is here, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom to worship Him. And the Scripture gives us so much leverage to worship God. But sometimes, when we come on Sunday mornings, we're still getting a little awoken up, right? Sometimes, maybe even our, our, our mind is awake, but our body's like, not yet, not yet. So what I kind of like to do is stretch out a little bit. So right where you are, if you feel comfortable, would you just kind of raise your hands up to the sky and stretch out those worship muscles? You know, God gave you worship muscles, and sometimes you got to wake them up. All right? Okay. Now, do it one more time. Hands in the air. Now, the person next to you, take your elbow and just go right there. Wake up. You ready? You ready? Awesome. We're going to continue to worship. Hopefully, you're a little bit more awake and alive now. Would you stand together? Let's worship the Lord through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sing it with me. Are you past the point of weary? Is your 
your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause Shane's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, here we go. He makes the way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't stay. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let Tell the past to disappear Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus And all the wrong turns that you would Go and undo if you could Who can work it all for your good Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes the way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't stay It's free. The good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Who would take for all my guilty who would care that much about me let me tell you about my Jesus oh he makes the way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave ain't no sinner that he can't stay let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and his grace is free the good news is I know do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Has Jesus changed your life? Amen. That is something to get excited about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, and thank you so much for even trying to clap along. If you're like me, I mean, I have a hard time sometimes clapping on the beat. I just, I can, I'm all of a sudden on two and four or half a two and half a four. It doesn't matter. It's just that we're 
worshiping the Lord and that we're expressing to him this love that we have with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's just every part of us and we, we're not perfect, right? Amen. This is a place that we can come and know, you know, this, this church says this often, you can come wherever you are in your faith journey and you're accepted here and you can learn and grow and God can move you to the places that he wants you to be. So we're grateful that God has changed your life, but maybe there are some places in your life that still need change. Places in your heart that still need the Lord to do some work, which the true answer to that question is, yes, all of us are in that place. But we just wanna take a moment and not forget that. Not forget that when folks come to church, you know, a lot of times things can be great and life can be good and we can all think, man, everybody's doing so well and, and I'm not doing so good. You know, but if we really pull back a layer, I think we all can really relate to the fact that we're all at times not doing so great. And there are times where we are weak and that we need God to step in and make a change and move and grow us, or we need to release something. And so we just wanna take a moment every Sunday that we gather to acknowledge that. So I just wanna invite you to bow your heads in prayer with me. And maybe this is not for you. Maybe you're in a great spot right now. Maybe God's doing some really great things in your life and you can praise him for that. Uh, but we know that every time we gather, there's an opportunity for people that are here and they're going through some hurt, some difficult pain, some hard situations, questions at work, difficulties at home. And you've come to the right place because you're in a place gathered believers that have a unified vision for Jesus to be the ultimate healer, to be the ultimate provider, for God to be praised and for the power of the Holy Spirit to be actively working in all of our lives. And with those things in place, whatever we're walking through can, be, can carry us to where we need to go. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. He sees where you are. And you can speak his truth into whatever situation that you're walking through. And his truth has power. His name has power. There may be somebody here this morning who has been dealing with a sin, a bondage, a struggle, a stronghold for years. And maybe there's all kinds of shame and guilt and regret that comes along with that. And you just think, I'm always gonna be this way. I'm always gonna have this struggle. I just wanna encourage you, Jesus came to set those kinds of things in your life free. I believe wholeheartedly that when Jesus promised not just life, but abundant life, that he meant the abundance of life would be felt. And after I become a Christian and be saved and I receive that free gift of salvation, that he then begins this sanctification process which is just a big word for making us more like Jesus. And in that, he's going to release some chains and some bondage of sin that you might even still be holding on to as a believer. Jesus is not condemning you. He is looking at you with arms and eyes of love and saying, hey, I'm right here. Why don't you lay that down? Why don't you give that over to me? Why don't you speak my name into that situation? I wanna set you free. I want you to feel the power of my love, feel your identity and who you are in Christ fully. And you can do that in a more full way, in a more abundant way, when you release the chains, release 
the bondage. Release whatever you're holding on to. And you may not be able to do it alone. Well, praise God, we've got a church family. There are people you can talk to. There are elders you can come up at the end of the service and pray with. You can grab them right now. You don't have to wait till the end of the service. The Spirit is moving in this place right now and working and growing our hearts, pushing us towards who Jesus is. So just take a moment right now. Maybe offer some of those things up to the Lord. Or if it's not you, pray for the person next to you or pray for the person down the aisle. God, would you move in their hearts? Would you reveal those places that you need to step in? Jesus 
shadows into the dark places shine your light and Lord we invite your strength inside of our weakness as when it is displayed the strongest would you break the strongholds would you break what is ever holding us that is keeping us from growing deeper with you Lord from loving not only you better but loving our neighbor better loving our spouse better loving our family better Lord would you heal and mend up those relationships draw us ever so close to you so that we can love others well and share your light and share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear this message. And Lord, may we share it with our lives and with our words, Father. Both are important as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus. We love you. You are so beautiful. You are so worthy of our praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
You can be seated. Amen. As we continue our lessons from the Last Supper, today we're going to be in John chapter 15. So if you would turn in your Bibles to John 15. Today we're going to be talking about this idea of abide. Abiding in Christ. And if you're ever going to cover John 15, you know that you've got to hopefully know something about grapevines, the growing of grapevines, something that I spent a lot of time looking at this week. And it's been fascinating to me because my wife, after COVID happened, she got into gardening. How many of you out there got into gardening after COVID? Anybody else? Okay, yeah, we've, we have a believer. Ladies and gentlemen, a believer. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so this idea of gardening plays heavily into what we're talking about today. So before we get into John 15, I think it's important that you understand the parts of a vine, a grapevine specifically. The vine itself has a trunk which has roots that go into the soil and bring up nutrients from below and out into the rest of the plant. Now, there's this thing called cordon. It's French for cord or for ribbon. And it's those, those two things that you see out. They started out as branches, but they are part that the branches grow off of. And it's usually tied to a line, a wire, a trellis, something else, so that the vine actually splits. And where it splits, it's called the crown. You see where it splits there? The crown. And from the cordons grow the arms, and the arms have these little spurs on them, and from the spurs grow the branches. And that is a grapevine. And the purpose of a branch is to produce fruit. That's the big message for today. The purpose of a branch is to produce fruit. And the hope is that if tended to correctly, your grapevine will produce yummy grapes. I love grapes. Anybody else love grapes? I love grapes. Grapes are great. They're, they're grown in this manner, and then they're sold at the store, the market. You go to the market, you buy them, you put them in your fridge. You take them out of the fridge, you put them in a bowl, you rinse them off, as, as I do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you live dangerously. Anybody not rinse their grapes? We have a few. Maybe they're buying organic. <laughs> but the hope is that your bran the branches produce fruit. And if tended to correctly, they will, and they will produce fruit in abundance. If not tended to correctly, they will produce branches in abundance and all sorts of foliage, just like this grapevine here that you see is growing on this trellis and it's all sorts of green leaves we love green leaves green leaves are great but the purpose of a grapevine is to grow branches that grow fruit and so you may be excited maybe you buy a house that has one of these in it wow and then you go out there to see i bet there's tons and tons of grapes in there guess what there are some but not as many as there could be. Because the purpose of a grapevine is to grow branches that grow fruit. And if tended to correctly, you will have these beautiful, beautiful groups of grapes that can be taken from the, the, the vine, taken from the branch, and eaten. Because that's the purpose of a grapevine, is to grow branches that grow 
fruit and grow much fruit. Look at the difference between these two. You see, there's, there's some foliage. You need some foliage. Does everyone here know about photosynthesis? The light hits the leaves. We have one. Amen. Another one. <laughs> the, the current gardener. <laughs> the light hits the leaves, and the leaves help to produce food, photosynthesis, synthesizing those photons into useful energy. But it doesn't need, you don't need that many leaves. This is too many, because what you really want is the fruit. Now, I say all this because it's a nice background for where we're headed in John 15. But there's a few questions that I want you to ponder. Have you come to a point in your faith walk where you've had enough? There's an answer for that today. Or is it that you've arrived and you can do it all on your own? Well, there's an answer for that today. And while you're pondering all of these things, the vines and the questions, let's also talk about where we're at in this process of this Last Supper meal. As you know, Jesus has gathered the disciples together, and they're eating the Last Supper, and Jesus gets up during the Last Supper, and he takes off his outer robe, and he girds himself up with a towel. He takes on the garb of a slave, and he washes the disciples' feet at this dinner. He serves them. And then he tells them to love one another, not just to love one another, but to love one another in the way that Jesus loved them. And he tells them also to obey, obey Christ. Chuck Lloyd is here today, Chuck and Barbara Lloyd. Chuck, did you notice what I put up there? That middle piece comes from the navigators. The obedient Christian life. Jesus is calling us to obey him, and when we obey his commandments, we prove our love to Jesus. And he discloses himself to us. And in disclosing himself to us, he teaches us also about the Trinity. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in person, one in essence. This God that tra transcends our understanding the master of time and space. And while he's revealing these things to his disciples at the supper, he says this at the end of chapter 14. Get up. Let us go from here. And that's precisely what they did. So now, as we're, we're, we've left the scene of the supper, they've gotten up, they've walked out the door, they've gone down the stairs, and they're in the streets of Jerusalem. They're walking. And Jerusalem, this part of Jerusalem, it's built on a hill called Mount Moriah where the temple is. And as they go down hill in Jerusalem, they're going to leave the city. They're going to go out the gate and they're going to go into the Kidron Valley, which separates Mount Moriah from the Mount of Olives. And near the bottom of the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane, where they're walking to. So overshadowing all of this, my friends, the crucifixion is at hand. In a few hours' time, it's after dark. It may be midnight, it may be 1 a.m., it's somewhere around there. The moon is shining. It is dark. There are stars out. Jesus knows what's coming. And here he has an, a lesson for them, an object lesson of which you are now prepared to hear. So let's look in John 15, starting in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 11. This is as they're walking along. Or maybe they've stopped and looked at a vine. Either way, here's what he says. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Let us pray. Oh Lord, what a privilege for us to look in your word and to understand it, and then, Lord, to apply it to our lives. So we need you this morning, Lord, to please speak to all of us myself included. Teach us these things, Lord, so that we can bear much fruit for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The operative word being abide. Today is abide. It comes from this Greek word, which is meno. And it is used many times in the New Testament. And this word meno means to remain connected. Sometimes you can use it like this, as we saw in chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him, our abode, our house with him, to abide, to remain connected to. And this is the idea of today. It's a verb. It's a verb, and it means this, and it means this throughout, every time it's used in the New Testament, but it has different contexts. And today we're going to see that as we've been dealing with lessons from the Last Supper, this abide has a certain context to it. But I want to look more closely. Let's look a second time. Let's look at verses 1 through 6 so that we can understand this object lesson that Jesus is teaching. I am the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them 
and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is an object lesson. And what is Jesus talking about? We need a key, the answer key. Jesus is the true vine. I believe, and many scholars believe, that Jesus here is pointing back to the many times that the vine was mentioned in the Old Testament. Isaiah 5 talks about how Israel was planted a vineyard and given every opportunity to grow and produce fruit because the purpose of a vine is to produce branches that produce fruit. Jesus being the perfect and true vine, fulfilling what Israel was supposed to do. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is like that vine I showed at the beginning with the cordons, those other uh, part of the vine that came off that are tied to something. That's Jesus. He's the vine. He's the true vine. The vine dresser is the father. The vine dresser is the one who tends that vine and cuts where it needs to be cut and gets rid of the branches that need to be gotten rid of so that it becomes more fruitful. That's what the vine dresser does. The branches are the believers. And the purpose of a believer is to bear fruit. I've said that many times. They say if you say things enough, it'll really stick. So I'm, I'm really going for that today. The fruit, fruit that grows on the branches, the fruit that grows from the believers, are the results of good works that believers do. For we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. Those are the good works, the fruit. And a branch must abide. And so here a branch, a branch gets its nourishment from the vine as it sucks up the water and the nutrients from the soil and then sends it out and those nutrients go into the branches. Ooh, what do the branches do with it? There's two types of branches that we're hearing about here today. And there's a fascinating thing in verse 2. Every branch in me. Where are these branches? In Christ. Every branch in me. In Christ. That does not bear fruit. He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So we deal with two types of branches here. One that's in Christ that bears no fruit. One that's in Christ that bears fruit. Ah, there's a tension here. I, I know it exists because this is used sometimes. This passage is used to show that a Christian can lose their salvation. But my friends, we must look at God's word in context. And we will do that today. So I want you to live in that tension while we proceed. And as any good Bible teacher, I want you to live in that tension and I want you to ask questions of God. Any question you have, ask of God and get into his word and talk to others and find out there's no, no harm in doing that. You should do it because it will strengthen your faith as a good branch. Take those nutrients in and let them help you to grow. And so this idea, there's two types of branches, one that's producing fruit, one that's not. And then there's this little thing in verse 3, which is kind of cool. He says to his disciples, you are already clean. And that word you there is y'all. Y'all are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to y'all. <laughs> Jesus uses this word clean. And this word clean is the same Greek word as the word pruned. He said to his disciples, y'all are already pruned. 
then think about it. Jesus knows he's about to die on the cross and be resurrected and then leave, ascend to his father and his disciples who have been pruned are ready to do what? Bear fruit. Global fruit, right? So they've been pruned. But we have these two branches and the pruning process takes place. The vine dresser goes through and he makes the cuts where he needs to make cuts. And so for my part, as I love studying God's word, and I take God's word, and I, I look at certain things and say, maybe I don't know about this one thing, and I need to know more about it, so what did I go look at? Grape vines. YouTube videos about grape vines and people that grow them, and vine dressers. And in the small group materials that I put out this week, I have a link to one video in particular. I think it is so worth watching. Me, I was watching it so that I could gain the knowledge. Why do I need to gain knowledge about the grapevine? Because Jesus used it as an object, object lesson. And so, yeah, I better go find out about it. Let's look at some of the amazing things that were said in these videos. I wasn't going to write anything down. But I've got a bunch of quotes from vine dressers, people that tend to the grapes. And wow, I learned so much. In fact, I have so many quotes, I had to prune some of them. I had so many. <laughs> I recommend you watch it, though. Look at these quotes. It's going to, this is going to go deeper. Ready? The vine dresser, one of them said, it's all about managing the branches on the vine. That's why you prune. You've got to manage the branches on the vine. If you don't prune, you will sacrifice your crop and only get foliage. These people are serious about grapes. And there, not one of them that I see was talking about John 15. Okay? So you don't, if you don't prune, you sacrifice your crop and you only get foliage like that first picture you saw, the grapevine growing on the trellis. No one had tended to that one. Lots of foliage. You know what? That really reminds me, and the more I think about it, the more I think of how many Christians there are out there who are full of foliage. I've been one, Okay? I'm not trying to point to you. I don't, I don't know your situation, but you know your situation, and so does God. I've been one before. You get puffed up with so much foliage. You have so much knowledge, and it just stays there and produces no fruit. What good is it to have all that knowledge if you're not producing fruit? It is useless for the purpose that a branch exists, which is to produce fruit. Oh, here was a, here's one. It kind of stabbed me in the heart. I was watching this Welsh guy. This Welsh guy, he, he has this huge grapevine, and he's talking all about it, and he says this, pruning some of this away is a crying shame. But if you want grapes, you've got to do this. He was sad as he chopped these branches off. He says it's a crying shame. And then I reflected on God and how much he loves us and how God doesn't want anyone to die without coming to repentance. That is his heart's desire, so it's a crying shame as he approaches this vine from this object lesson. It has to cut some places. But he knows what he's doing. He's the vine dresser. Listen to this. Other branches that are not producing are taking nutrients from those that are producing. The guy said, cut them off. Just cut them off. Because they're taking nutrients that could go to a branch that is producing and we understand that when you make these cuts for the good of the fruit for the good of the purpose of the vine these cuts have got to be made 
Too many clusters of grapes will not allow you to have any good fruit. The branch can't support them all. Cut some of them off. Wow. One branch can have multiple clusters of grapes. And, and when he was doing this, it was the Welsh guy. He was, these little baby grapes, they're, they're on these clusters. And he says, oh, you've got to cut it off because the branch won't be able to support the weight. And you wonder sometimes why when you're involved in so many different ministries and why you really need to let one of them go because you can't support the weight. We let God, God is the master. He's the one that sees the future. He's the one that guides us. He is the vine dresser. He knows where the cuts need to be made. We do not. We are not like him. We are not all-knowing. Nor are we all-powerful. And there's only so much time in a day. So maybe sometimes when you're getting pruned and you're in ministry, God knows why. You can't support all those grapes. Oh, and he cut them. He said, yeah, I know it looks bad. But I, I cut this cluster of grapes off so that otherwise all the grapes are going to be small. And they're not going to be very good. So he knows what he's doing. Oh, look at this one. This guy was growing grapes in his backyard. He said, prune them to allow more light to get where it is needed. Because some branches create darkness and shadow. Branches, yes. Darkness and shadow, yes. And they need to be pruned to allow more light to get where it is needed. Oh, the lessons to learn in all of this. Ooh, this one got me too. Cut back useless tendrils on the branches that are reaching out to an empty space. Branch, a branch on a vine will have these little green tendrils that will come out and they'll start, start to spiral around because they're trying to grab onto something so that it can attach itself to something else, to a structure. Sometimes, and he just cut it off. He said, oh, it's so useless. It's trying to grab on, on nothing. It's trying to set itself on nothing. How many tendrils do you have that are reaching out to the nothing? And what is that nothing? The vine dresser sees, and the vine dresser makes the cut where it's needed. And how loving this is. This pruning process happens. It happens to the branches that produce fruit. It happens to the branches that don't produce fruit. Let's look at the ones that do produce fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The purpose of a branch is to produce fruit. And apart from being abiding in that vine, you can do nothing. Think of those questions. Have you come to the point of your faith walk where you've had enough? Abide in Christ. Or is it that you've arrived and can do it all on your own. No, you cannot. We are given gifts. We are given spiritual gifts, and we all have ability. And sometimes you can get full of that on your own. But apart from Christ, you can do nothing. So you have to abide in Christ. If you're producing fruit, the answer is abide in Christ. Hold on. Keep going. You can't do it without him. What if you're not producing fruit? What does it say? And again, I remind you. Oh, this is simple observation of Scripture. What does verse 2 say? Every branch in, in me. It's right there. It's a branch that's in me. 
that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But what does it say here? If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, drying up meaning formerly moist with nutrients. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Oh no, did you just lose your salvation? Because you weren't producing fruit? Is that what Jesus is saying here? It is a warning, my friends. We have to look to the rest of Scripture. There are other verses, other passages about this very thing. And let's meditate on one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, it says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, what's the foundation in this context? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. This is a believer. The foundation is Christ, and no one can lay a foundation except that which is already laid. Boy, I should have put those verses on the slide. It would have been a lot faster. I was trying to save time. Now, if any man builds on the foundation of Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident for the day, the judgment day. We'll show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work, each man's fruit. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. Yet as through fire, he himself will be saved. Christ did the work on the cross. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. This person has their works burned up. They're fruitless. They suffer loss. There's another way that 1 Corinthians puts it. Paul puts it in chapter 5. There's someone caught up in a horrible sin, and they've taken the stand that my sin shall be accepted in this church in Corinth. It is like this. If someone were to commit adultery and say, you all must celebrate my adultery. No. That is not what we are called to do. And Paul says in chapter 5, he says, listen, the person that's like that and will not turn, you must cut them off, get them out. Their body may be destroyed, but their soul will be preserved. You can't have them in there because that will spread. That idea will spread to accept righteousness. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians 13. We do not celebrate that sort of deviant lifestyle. It is not love to do so. And so here we see, though, the soul is saved. It is the body that is destroyed. And I will say this, my friend. Maybe you know people like this. They've walked away from the faith. I know a man, he said, I've been doing it for 20 years. It's my turn now. He walked away from the faith. He was dead in a few years' time. I believe, I believe, that's exactly what this is talking about. It is a warning. You're a branch in Christ. But the purpose of a branch is to produce fruit. And do not be afraid. If you are sitting there and you think you're a branch that's sitting there on the ground, drying up, well, guess what? Christ can pluck you up from the ground and graft you back into the vine, and you can grow and produce fruit. You know why I know that? Because you're still alive. And I've been there myself. And it was a man who brought me back. Your son, Chris, Chuck, your son. I was celebrating 
the wickedness I was living in, and he said to me, Jeremy, you know, you used to talk to God with that mouth. Those were words of life. They cut me to the core, and it changed my life. Praise God for that. And the same can be true for you. It's not too late. So there's two branches. Yeah. Maybe we needed some comedic relief there after all. <laughs> there's the two branches. All right, that's too convicting. Let's go on to the next section. We'll start in verse 7, 7 to 11. It says here, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Let's look at this. Oh, there's so much here. I've only got one minute left. I could spend another day on this stuff. But let's look at this. When you abide in Christ... You will align your prayers with his word. Ask whatever you wish. What does it say? Uh, it says here in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. There's some prerequisites there, my friends. You have to be abiding in Christ. His word has to be abiding in you. And if his word abides in you, then your prayer life is going to align to God's word. James said, you have not because you ask not. And, and he also says, maybe you don't have because you're asking with the wrong motives. Well, if your motives are aligned with God's word, you will be asking for those things. God knows the future. Maybe you're asking for something that will kill you. I need money. Please. I'm desperate for it. Why can't you just let me hit the lottery? It would destroy you, my son. By abiding in Christ, you will glorify God. What's my purpose in life? Why do I even exist? Uh, I, I want to be a tutor. I want to go to college. I want to get a job. I want to work in corporate America. I want to work for myself. You exist to glorify God and to produce fruit. Yes, you have freedom to go and do these things. Yes, of course. You don't have to be a full-time minister. I am not. I'm not a full-time minister. But I can do this. I can do this part-time. You can do it as well. You bring God glory when you bear much fruit. And that's your purpose, to bring God glory and the purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. And you are the branch. He is the vine. You prove your discipleship by bearing much fruit. Because Jesus proved his discipleship of God by obeying him and bearing much fruit. You prove to be one of his disciples when you bear fruit as well. It says here, obey. Obey Jesus' commandments to abide in his love. Again, this obey. And you know what? It brings joy to Jesus when you bear much fruit. And here's the secret, because you're so miserable, and you're mad that that tendril has been cut off, or, or whatever, the, the foliage has been cut off. Guess what? When you really give in to this pruning process, it brings joy to your life. That peace that surpasses all understanding. When you align yourself with what God is doing, it brings joy to your life. In fact, we've been covering this supper 
this Last Supper and the lessons from the Last Supper. This idea of abiding here with what Jesus has been saying all evening long and now as they walk along. Abide in the context of the Last Supper is when you continually serve. Menno, when you continue in. You continually serve one another. Love one another and obey Jesus' commands. Your joy will be made complete. Abide in Christ. Look at this. What about abiding in you? Have you had it? Or do you think you can, you can do it on your own? No, abide in Christ. You haven't had it. Check yourself. Get aligned with what God is doing. He's not doing this to hurt you. He's doing it to help you to grow so that you bear more fruit, so that your joy will be made complete. Are you going through the pruning? Are you fruitless? You're not dead yet. Guess what? If you draw breath today, if you're still alive and you're still breathing and you're right here and you could hear my voice and I'm your brother in Christ telling you right now, today is always the day to abide in Christ. It is not too late. You're not dead. You're not burned in the fire. Please abide in Christ because he is the vine. You stay connected to him. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit and you must abide in Christ. And, and look at this double cordon vine right here. A beautiful picture of Christ and Christ knowing full well what he was about to do. So much like the vine. Such a beautiful object lesson. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful lesson and that you died for us. And Lord, that you allow us to be pruned for your glory so that we can bear much fruit. Would you help all of us, Lord, myself included, to learn this lesson, to accept your pruning, and to go and bear fruit? We ask this in Jesus' holy name. And Lord, as this is the vine, and the vine produces grapes, we do come now, Lord, to have your supper. And we remember your shed blood and your broken body so be with us as we take communion this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, we have the privilege of participating in the Lord's Supper now, uh, remembering the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We do this in remembrance of him. Uh, but the Apostle Paul warns us, he says, to take communion in a worthy manner. And so we want to take some time just to prepare ourselves. Uh, is, are there sins that you know of that you need to repent of? Are hidden sins that you need God to reveal? Uh, or do you have something against your brother? Uh, the Bible warns us that many are sick and some of these have passed away because they've taken the Lord's Supper in, a, in an improper manner. Um, but God is faithful. He is, he is available to us. So let's go to him in prayer and just ask for forgiveness. Uh, of known sin, of hidden sin, or anything that we might have just to give to him, he will receive it, and his mercy and grace is available to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we are so grateful for your sacrifice. Father, we thank you that you sent your son. 
Thank you for his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We thank you that, that on that cross, he said, it is finished as his blood was shed upon this earth, we recognize it was in payment of our sin for my sins. We thank you for the power of his resurrection that we have new life in him. And so we come to your table, Lord, and we ask for your mercies anew. And we pray that your grace would be upon us as we abide deeply in you. In the name of Jesus. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken, it was given for us. Take, eat, in remembrance of him. Likewise, he said, take this cup of the new covenant, drink in remembrance Father, again, we give you thanks and praise for this time of remembrance of the great sacrifice, the price that was paid for our sins cost you the life of your son. We thank you for the obedience of Jesus. We thank you for his abiding love that he has for us, that by faith we can be made new and that each day we can remember the sacrifice that was paid of your great love that you have for us. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Son. We thank you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, it's so good for us to remember, always to draw back to what Christ has done for us. And communion is such a great way to do that. And we have a chance right now to respond in worship and in song and being thankful for the blood of Jesus, for the body of Jesus, for the sacrifice that was made. And the natural response is gratitude, is gratitude for what he has done for us. So let me invite you to stand together and let's worship the Lord through this song.
As the elders come down, you can take this moment and pray with the elders if you would like. Talk to them. I want to remind you, Jesus finished off this section, the object lesson. He finished it this way. So if, if you are a branch that's producing fruit, or if you're not producing fruit, remember this. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Abide in Christ today. My brothers and sisters in Christ, abide in him. Today is the day. Whatever you need to change, if you need to accept that pruning, accept it. Be filled with the nutrients that come from the vine. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.